Good morning and welcome. My name is Drew. I'm the worship pastor here at Illuminate Church, and I'm just giddy to be able to bring the Word of God to you this morning. Whenever I get to talk about Jesus, there's just something exciting about it. And so in that heart, I I would like you, if you would, just sitting at home right now, whoever you're with, even if you're alone, I just want you to shout to those around you or shout to yourself, Jesus loves you. I know that sounds strange and it sounds weird, but we're going to do it again just for all those that might not have been sure. It feels great, so let's just let it out. Shout it. Jesus loves you. One more time. Jesus loves you. Wow. It's true and it feels good to say. So uh, before we dig into the message this morning, I just want to invite you to share, like, and and hug. There's like a button that's like hugging or something. Uh, hit that hug or share button um, on your page. And uh, what we want to do is we just want to get the good news of Jesus out for all to hear. We want them to know where they can find abundance of life. And uh, so if you would just join with us in that. With that said, I get to talk today about what happens when we learn to hear the voice of God. Now, uh, I'm just excited. I believe the Lord has a special plan for your heart in this message, but let me pray before we dive in. Lord, I, uh, I ask that you would open the eyes of our hearts that you would open our, hear, our ears to hear you this morning. Lord, I, I ask that people would not hear me, but, but you would grant them to hear from your spirit whatever you would be speaking into them. I ask this in Jesus' most powerful name. Amen. Amen. So when I first became a part of uh, Illuminate Church about four years ago, uh, I did not know that there was more than one meaning to the term fist bump. No one let me in on this little bit of information uh, that there's more than one way uh, to fist bump someone. I thought a fist bump was, you know, this type of thing, and that was it. Like, I didn't know there was anything else. But to my surprise and somewhat embarrassment, Pastor Tim Uh, Our second staff meeting, he challenged all of us to come up with fist bumps for every other person on staff. And he's like, okay, we're going to come up with fist bumps for every person on staff. Make sure yours aren't lame. So what I took that to mean was that I had to come up with some super awesome fist bump for everyone on our staff. And so, man, I put time into this and I thought it out really well. And I had all these really cool, like secret handshake fist bumps that I came in to that meeting with. And I was like, yeah, you know, uh, my fist bumps are going to like make all y'all's fist bumps cry for their mamas. I just thought I had the best fist bumps. But I come into the meeting and thankfully they started on the other side of the table. And Pastor Tim said, okay, um, let's share our fist bumps with the rest of the team. And they started going around the room and they started encouraging each other. 
They st- the, the, I think it was Pastor George might have been one of the first ones to start, was sitting right next to Pastor Tim, and he started going around the room and giving encouragement, saying, I see you. Fist bump, well done for, for what you're doing in ministry and what God's doing through you. And I began to learn that my version of fist bump and what I heard Pastor Tim saying was not really what he meant. It got around to me and I just had to uh, embrace reality and just told him, hey guys, I, I feel pretty embarrassed right now, but uh, I actually took this literally and I came up with fist bumps for every single person on the team, like literal fist bumps. And and they laughed because they thought I was joking. Then there was an awkward silence while they realized I was serious. And then someone said, well, let's see the fist bumps. Like, what'd you come up with? You know, so I spent the next little bit um, showing them the different fist bumps that I'd come up with. Here's a picture that Pastor Tim took to commemorate this event. But just as I misheard Pastor Tim, I I heard what he said. I thought I knew what he meant. Isn't it so easy to sometimes hear someone, but not really hear them? Did we really hear them? Isn't it easy when we're reading the word to read it, but did we really hear it? I think we, we, we wrestle with this in our lives when it comes to God speaking to us, to his word in our hearts. And how do we hear the word of God? Now, Jesus is the greatest example of this. He's the greatest example of, of having a relationship with the Father that was just so close that he heard the Father and, and he lived upon the Father's word. He did whatever the Father would tell him to do. He would speak whatever the Father would tell him to speak. We see it multiple times in the word, uh, Jesus's relationship with the father and how he would steal away on so many different occasions to spend time with the father. We see it in Luke four, where Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness fasting and praying. What was he doing? He was getting with the father. He was spending time seeking his heart, listening to what the father would tell him. In Matthew 14, we see that Jesus went away to spend time with the Father after his cousin, John the Baptist, was killed. He was grieving. So who did he turn to? He turned to the Father. He communed with the Father. He let the Father comfort him. In Luke 6, we see that Jesus spends all night with the Father, praying and listening before he picks the 12 disciples. In Luke 22, we see Jesus spends all night praying and listening with the Father just before he goes to be crucified. We see it multiple other times in scriptures, but we just know Jesus had a wonderful relationship with the Father. He not only prayed to the Father, but he listened to what the Father was telling him, and he lived according to the Father's word. This one detail, if I had no other scripture of it, would tell the whole story. Luke 5.16 says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. 
I just think it's a wonderful picture of this intimate relationship, this life-giving, abundant life relationship that the Father calls us to. But one of the things I think we might struggle with in, in developing ears to hear from the Father and developing this intimate relationship is when, when we learn from Jesus' example, it's easy to think, well, of course, he's the Son of God. Of course, he had this intimate relationship with God. And, and we might even think that, well, He's the son of God. He can do whatever he wants. He can proclaim whatever he wants, and it's done. He can do miracles, and by his power, it's done. But Jesus gives us some very important details in the Gospel of John that help us see that actually he didn't do anything on his authority because he wanted to be an example for how we can live and embrace the Father and walk this out in our lives, that he gave us the example of living by the same heart, by the same precepts that we are called to live by. In John 12, 49 through 50, Jesus says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say, what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. So let's go behind the scenes just a little bit and take an intimate look. All these times that Jesus is spending with the Father, and as he learns to live through his life, Jesus is communing with the Father. He's listening to the Father, and as the Father gives him a word, he goes and he speaks it. As he tells him to do this miracle, he goes and he does it. As he tells him to do this, Jesus does it. And this is what Jesus is saying. This is what his life is, is living upon the word of the Father, listening to the voice of the Father and doing as his Father leads. John 5, 19 through 21 takes us a little further. And Jesus says uh, in this passage, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. So this is important to note. Jesus is not choosing to practice within his own divinity, within his own power as God. He is God, but he has chosen to live as we live, by faith in the Father, to walk as the Father would call him to live. And I think that's important because if we're going to learn to live by Jesus' example, we have to know that he followed God in the same way God calls us to follow him. All right, so for all those who might be wondering, well, yeah, but he had this really close relationship with the Father because he's the Son of God. Uh, sometimes we, we might struggle with, and I know I have, with this... Uh, uh, false view of, well, of course they were close. I'm not uh, the son of God, so I can't be as close to the father as he was. But Jesus removes this limit from our hearts, if that's something we're concerned about. In John 17, 22 through 23, 
He's praying the high priestly prayer. It's a, it's the prayer that it goes the whole chapter. It's a wonderful chapter. He's praying for you and for me, all that would follow him, even after his disciples. And he specifically says that, but he's praying for us to the father. And he says, the glory that I have given, I'm sorry. He says, the glory that you have given me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. So two things that Jesus is showing us from this passage. One, we are just as unified with the Father as he was. He's saying the same unity that I've experienced with the Father, I, the Father gives to each one of us. That there's no difference. There was no closeness that Jesus experienced, no, no intimacy or unity in spirit that Jesus experienced that he's not opening up to us, that he's not making available and giving us freely. So let that wall come down. Let that limit come down of what we think is possible in unity in the Father. And next he says that you would show them, you would, you would allow them to see that they may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. So he's saying, God the Father loves us just as much as he loves the Son. That means he doesn't love it's Jesus any more than he loves you and me. It's the same love. And we're invited into this unity and love with the Father just as Jesus lived. See, I believe what this does, knowing how Jesus walked, that he walked by the voice of the Father, and knowing that he chose to live as we live, a life where we can live by faith as Jesus lived. And knowing that Jesus didn't have any special access to the Father that the Father doesn't give to us. This breaks down the walls, the limits that we might think we have in growing in intimacy with the Father and hearing His voice. So I just pray in the name of Jesus, let the walls fall down, Lord. Let the walls fall down of what we think we're limited to in this walk with you. Because you will do so much, so many greater things in our hearts when we will just let all the veils fall down. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So what Jesus shows us here is when he paid the price on the cross, something happened, the Bible says, where the veil in the Holy of Holies torn in two. He's talking about this place in the temple of God, where before Jesus died on the cross, there was a partition, this section off curtain that, that separated people from the presence of God. And, and when Jesus died on the cross, the veil torn in two and the separation that kept us from God, from free access to him was rent. And, and, and there was nothing that separates us anymore from our heavenly father. We have full access to run into his arms because of what Jesus has done. So friends, I just ask us this morning, if 
a part of what would keep us from stepping into hearing the Father and living as Jesus lived is limited access to the Father. The limits are gone. The limits are gone. So taking us a little deeper, I think the greatest example and the greatest picture of us seeing what we might wrestle with as opposed to Jesus' example is Jesus' life with his disciples. Daily, he lived with these 12 guys and others that came along beside him. But he lived and uh, he had this totally different worldview from them. He had this worldview of these spiritual eyes. He didn't see with physical eyes. He, he knew what his father could do, that there was nothing that was impossible. He knew there was no limits in his father. And he looked to his father and he trusted his father. And his father spoke and he did what his father called him to do. The disciples, on the other hand, it's kind of humorous. They, they're, they're still blind and they don't really understand the spiritual aspect of things. So they're just constantly looking at the physical, what they're limited to. And they're just lost and they're just like, what is happening? How is this possible? But Jesus directs them and continually helps them to learn. I just want to say, I know if I was one of the disciples, I would be in the same place. I would be struggling with like, what? how is this even possible that Jesus would be doing this? But Jesus shows how it would be possible. Uh, wanted to bring a few stories to light of where this happens in Scripture. Mark and, and you see it all over the Gospels. Just everything that Jesus does and his disciples do, it's just, it's, it's kind of humorous when you look at it, you know. They, they just don't get it. But Mark 4, 35 through 41 says, After it grew dark, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross over to the other side of the lake. After they had sent the crowd away, they shoved off from the shore with Jesus, as he had been teaching from the boat. And there were other boats that sailed with them. Suddenly, they were crossing the lake, and a ferocious tempest arose, with violent winds and waves that were crashing into the boat, until it was all but swamped. But Jesus was calmly sleeping in the stern. The stern is in the back of the boat. He's asleep in the back of the boat. And the, the Bible gives us this, this little detail. It says he was resting on a cushion. He's sleeping on a pillow. It's kind of nice. Verse 39, so they, took him they, they shook him awake, it says, saying, Teacher, don't you even care that we're all about to die? Fully awake. Now, Jesus rebuked the storm and shouted to the sea, Hush! Calm down! And all at once, the wind stopped howling, and the water became perfectly calm. Then he turned to his disciples and said to them, Why are you so afraid? Haven't you learned to trust yet? But they were overwhelmed with fear and awe. And said to one another, who is this man who is such authority that even the wind and the waves obey him? So I just want us to see how different Jesus' worldview is than the disciples. And, and, and that we would learn from, from this and be able to set our, tra our trajectory and our vision on the Father. 
So here the disciples are in the midst of this storm, and all they can see is their physical surroundings. They see the storm, and, and it's bigger than them. And just like that in our lives, we have storms. We have things that we come up against. We have Goliaths. We have have armies that we feel like we're coming up against in life. And yet, because that's all we can see and we know what we feel like we're limited to, we focus on those things and we feel defeated and we feel crushed and we feel limited and we feel like we can't do it. But Jesus' perspective is way different. Jesus lived a life not focused on the storm, not focused on the physical. There were no limits because he was looking to the Father who set aside limits. He knew what the Father was capable of, which was anything. And he knew what the Father was calling him to. He knew his destiny. He had heard it from the Father. He had let the Father speak over him and speak into him. So he knew it was coming. He knew it wasn't his time. And so here he is in the back of the boat. He's asleep. He's at peace because his father's in control of everything. There's nothing he has to worry about. His disciples get all freaked out because all they can see is the physical. They shake him awake. Jesus wakes up and as he'd learned to do, trains his eyes on the Father. The disciples are freaking out, but he's listening to the Father as they're complaining about it, whether he even cares that they die. The Father gives him a word. He turns. Again, just like we heard from before, the Father speaks into his heart and he speaks what the Father says. So he's hearing this word from the Father. He turns to the storm. He says, be quiet. And in an instant, Waves are crashing. The wind is howling. Clouds, rain. It's crazy. It's chaotic. The disciples are yelling at him. And in an instant, all of it fades. The clouds part. The sea gets calm. The waves start stop crashing. And, And I can just imagine the boat was rocking. And all of a sudden, it slowly stops rocking. And the disciples are just left like, like, What just happened? And Jesus turns to them and he's trying to teach them about heavenly perspective, about where their focus should be in the midst of the storm. He says, haven't you learned to trust yet? And we see this time and time again. The disciples looking to the physical and Jesus He knows the reality he's living in. He's living in the Father's reality, which is the reality. He's proving that we are spiritual beings uh, uh, that, that are in this physical body, but that the greater reality is the spiritual. It is what the Father leads him to do. A few more stories in Luke 8, we see a bleeding woman, and I'm not going to read the story, I don't have time, but we see a woman who's been bleeding for years. She has this medical condition, and she believes in Jesus. She's seeing in the spiritual. She has faith in Jesus. She, she reasons, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, just the outer part of his garment, he won't even feel it, I'll be healed. And she does. She she comes up to him. Jesus is surrounded. He's in a crowd of people moving through the street. 
He was very popular in that time, so there were a lot of people around him. And she touches the hem of his garment, and she's healed. Now Jesus, in everything, he's he's looking to the spiritual. He's focused on the Father. He's speaking about the spiritual. He turns around and he says, who touched me? He's not even talking about the, the, the physical because his disciples, that's all they can focus on. And they're like, what are you talking about who touched you? Everyone touched you. There's like a hundred hands on you right now, man. But Jesus is talking about, he felt power from the spirit leave him and heal someone. And he wanted to know who spiritually touched him. And this woman, she pipes up. Jesus commends her faith, and of course she is healed. But this happens time and time again in the Bible. We could go into the feeding of the 5,000, which really was more like feeding of 15 to 25,000 because 5,000 is just counting the men. Really, when you count the women and the children, it's somewhere between 15 and 25,000. You think of a, a huge football stadium full of people. This is how many people that were fed that day. But in this story, the the disciples, they come up to Jesus and they're trying to get him to send the people away because they know that the people must be hungry. And Jesus is like, you feed them. Again, Jesus knows what the Father's capable of. He's speaking spiritually. He has no limits, just as you and I have no limits if we'll look to the Father. But he has no limits, and and the disciples, all they can see is what they think they're limited to, and they say, how can we do this? It would take a half year's or a year's wages just to feed these people. He's like, we don't have that kind of money. And Jesus, he he just knows they still can't see. So he's like, how how many loaves of, of bread and fish do you have? They said, five loaves, two fish. And so he takes the loaves, he breaks them, he thanks his father. He takes the fish and does the same. Then they distribute the baskets. Now, he commanded his disciples to feed the people. And so his disciples are the ones that carry the baskets. And all of a sudden, after the food's passed out, uh, they get the baskets back and they have more baskets than they started passing out in, in the first place. Twelve basketfuls of food are left over from feeding fifteen to 25,000 people. And, and, and we could just keep going on with story after story after story of the, the disciples are just astonished because they're still stuck in what they're limited to, what they think they're limited to in themselves. And Jesus keeps showing them that in the Father, as we listen, as we walk with the Father, as we, as we listen to him and do what he says we, he wants us to do, the chains fall off, the limits fall off. And and this is a part of listening to the voice of God. I wish we could go into more stories because I I just want to solidify it in our hearts that this is what God calls us to. This is the life of faith that God calls us to live. So the question is, how do we hear God's voice? How do we live this out in in our lives? And I think the first thing that we must do, and we've said it, I've said it many times already, is lay down our limits so heaven 
can invade earth. As we talked about so many times, we have these limits and, and, and we, we limit what we think God to, can do and what we pray that the Lord would do based on what we feel like our limits are. Subcon or, or consciously, we don't know we're doing this, but a lot of times we pray based on what we think can happen. Many times we seek the Lord based on what we think is possible. But I'm hoping what we're hearing this morning is that all things are possible for those who believe in Jesus Christ and who will trust in His name. Listen, Jesus proves there is nothing that is impossible if we will listen to the Father. Let Him speak and then do and say as he, would, as he would lead us to do and say. So laying down our limits, this is a very important part of hearing the voice of God. Because if we don't lay down our limits, what will end up happening is we will only hear part of what the Father wants us to get. We have to be willing to be open to let heaven invade our hearts, to let him move us beyond the, the what we can logically conclude into what he will do in his limitless heavenly, uh, 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 heaven invades earth realm of what he wants us to bring here. Listen, you are the light of the world. You are a son or a daughter of God. He wants to empower you. He wants to fill you with all that he would, he would fill you with so you can bring Christ's power and life into this world. God has never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let us embrace his limitless power. How else do we hear the voice of God? Number two, we choose to believe God is speaking to us. Now, this is a risky choice. I'm not trying to discourage people. I'm trying to dig into the subconscious of what keeps us from making this choice. But many of us fear getting it wrong, I think. Maybe... Maybe it's a little different for some people, but I think many of us fear listening to the voice of God and, and, and possibly uh, mistaking uh, his voice for our voice or for the enemy's voice. And that is something that's important to wrestle with. I'm not saying it's not. But what I'm saying is if we refuse to take the risk to hear his voice, if we refuse to step out and say, Lord, I want to learn to hear you and to know you and to grow in, in whatever destiny you would call me into, whatever you would call me to do. If, if we refuse to hear his voice, what we're doing is we're putting the mute button on God's voice. Now, we don't know we are. We just think, I don't want to get it wrong, so I'm not going to do it. But friends, I encourage you to risk getting it wrong for the sake of learning to get it right. Just like with Pastor Tim, sometimes I mishear things. And with God, we're going to mishear things at time. It's okay. The Father wants you to know that it's okay. He will lead you in power if you're willing to take that risk and to learn to communicate with Him. And friends, if, if that's something you struggle with this morning, let me just say, I would love to talk to you. 
I would love to talk to you about that. And our, our staff would love to talk to you about that. So reach out. Don't, don't be afraid to have these authentic, real conversations of how do we do that? How do we discern between the, uh, the voice of the Lord, our voice, and the voice of the enemy? It's a whole separate sermon, so I'm not going to go into it as much today. But I would say meditate on 1 John 4.1 where Jesus tells us how to discern between the spirits that would speak to us. He says, always ask the spirit, is this from the spirit that proclaims Jesus in the flesh? Look at the passage. I just encourage you to do that. And this is what I do in my time with the Lord as I'm listening to what he would speak into my heart. I always take in what I, I believe he's saying and I say, does this come from the spirit that proclaims Jesus in the flesh? And I will either get a yes, a no, or no answer. And if I don't get a yes, then I don't follow that voice. But if I hear a yes, then I know I am a go. And so I would just encourage you with that little bit. And uh, if you want to talk more about that again, I would love to speak with you. Our staff would love to speak with you about that. Number three on how do we hear God's voice? Listen. I, I think subconsciously we, we tend to uh, uh, only read the Bible or pray to God. But I encourage you, when you read the Bible, take it a step deeper. Don't just read the words on a page, but ask the Lord, Lord, speak to me. Would you speak to me as I read your word? And then as you, as you read, listen. And, and let the Spirit stir in whatever passages He wants to stir in. Let Him speak life into your heart, and He will. And then move beyond the Bible. And as you get in conversations with people, listen to what the Father would say as you're speaking to them. And, and you'll start hearing things. You'll start hearing his life spoken into this person. And you'll be able to encourage them with the words the Father gives you. This is the way Jesus did it. This is the way he calls us to do it. And more so as you walk out throughout life. Learning to live a listening life with the Lord, where you're listening to what the Father would speak to you. Listen, if, 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 if you don't get anything else from this message, please do not hit the mute button on God's voice. For, for uh, uh, some time now, the Lord is leading me deeper into this truth. And now that I've taken the mute button off of my heart, uh, off of God's voice in my life, I can testify to the joy, the life that it brings, and I can't live without it. I, 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 I wouldn't know how to live without it. And so I encourage you, this, this is the life that I believe Jesus calls us into. I encourage you to embrace this life. A quick story about God speaking into my life and um, know that I'm still learning. I'm still growing in this. Uh, I, I think I'll always feel like a beginner with the Lord for his heart is so deep and so vast. But as he's led me in this way, uh, a few weeks ago, I asked the Lord, uh, as I do sometimes, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll be in a Bible passage and I'll just ask the Lord to speak and he'll speak. But sometimes I'll ask God 
to, to, act, to lead me to the Bible passage. So that night I did that. I said, Lord, would you speak to me through whatever Bible passage you want to give me? And he gave me Nahum 2, 2. Now, this passage talks about how God is restoring uh, uh, Jacob. Uh, he's restoring what the enemy stole. He's restoring the branches that the enemy has taken away. Now, I read this passage. He sent it to me. And I remember my first response was, oh, the Lord loves me. He wants to restore my branches. He wants to restore what the enemy has taken. That's so gracious. I didn't even know I needed my branches restored. But that's just the beginning as over the next few days, I just so happen to listen to a message by Pastor Robert Morris on symbols in the word. And as, as many of you know, nothing just so happens as you're seeking the Lord. He brings things into your life in the perfect timing, resonating with your spirit, speaking into you. And so he, Pastor Robert is explaining that one of the symbols in the word of people is a tree. And he explains how uh, that this tree, uh, whenever you see a tree in, in the Bible, it's a symbol of, of a human, of a person's spirit. And as soon as he started talking about that, I recalled Psalm 1. God just brought it to my heart. And my dad made me memorize this psalm when I was just a little bitty, a little, a little guy, at seven or eight years old. And, and I just started saying the psalm, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the way of sinners, uh, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And here it is. He is like a tree planted near the streams of water that yields its fruit in season. Whatever he does, it prospers. And as God brought that scripture back to my heart, he told me this. He said, Drew, this has to do with Nahum 2.2. The branches of your life the enemy has stolen from you are lies. And he told me, he said, they've lied to you about how limited you are in me about how deep that you can go with me, about how wide my love is for you and what I want to share with you in this life. He said, Drew, he said, I'm restoring those branches. I'm giving back what the enemy has stolen. And he told me today to share this with you because this is not just a word for me, it's a word for you. Some of you, the enemies tried to steal the branches that, of, of the, the spirit of your spirit, this, this tree in you that God is building up and the enemies tried to lie to you and tell you to settle for less than what God is calling you into as God calls you into life. And God is saying to you, I'm restoring the branches the enemy's stolen. I'm giving them back. Because I love you, son. I love you, daughter. And the enemy can't take them away anymore. Friends, the Father wants to speak into your life. He wants to do greater things than, than what we might think He wants to do. And we might settle for 
something less, but let's not. Let's turn our spiritual eyes to Jesus and stop thinking in just a physical mode, but turn our spiritual eyes to the Father and see what He can do. And when He gives us a word that we would step into it and have courage for He is with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. Last thing, and I'll close with this. On how do we hear the voice of God? That we would open our spiritual eyes and ears to hear Him. So in 2 Kings 6, Elisha, who is the protege of the prophet Elijah, but Elisha, he was a man that walked by the Spirit of God, a lot like Jesus. And in this story, his servant comes up frantic and fearful, a lot like Jesus' disciples. It's, it's interesting how we see this in Scripture play out a time and again, just like with Jesus. Anyone who walked by the Spirit were they laid fears down. They laid limits down. They, they, they were able to embrace a vast greater life. But here in this passage, Elisha, he's awoken by a servant. His servant runs in fearful. And, and I'm just going to read the passage. This is 2 Kings 6, 15 through 17. It says, When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots, was all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And Elisha said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elijah prayed and said, O oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Friends, maybe a part of us that keeps us from opening our eyes to the Lord is scared of what we'll find there. But this is what we find when God opens our eyes and ears to hear Him, when we let the voice of the Lord speak to our hearts, when we accept it into our lives and, and decide to give ourselves to it, we find that the army that is for us is greater than the army that is against us. We find that Goliath is nothing in comparison to the Almighty God. We find the storms of life that are raging all around us and that might be bigger than us. They're nothing in comparison to the almighty power of God that just says, calm, be still. And the storm can't take it. It runs and hides from the light of Jesus. So I'm going to pray for you to close this service, that the Lord would open your eyes. And let me just encourage you before I do this. And, and, and please understand, I'm not saying that your eyes are, are closed. I, I, I don't know. This is for any who needs to hear this message. And I believe the Lord put it on my heart to, to speak this to someone. I know He said this is going to help someone. And if it only helped one, it's worth it. But please don't take this as condemnation. 
But I do believe God calls us higher and deeper than we would settle for ourselves. And that's what this challenge is. So please hear it as encouragement from my heart. Before I pray for you though, I wanna just encourage you, if, if learning to hear the voice of God is something that you hear the Lord putting on your heart this morning, if you feel comfortable, put it in the comments section. Let us respond to you. Let us reach out to you and walk with you through this because we are not made to be lone wolves. We're not made to live this journey alone. We're, we're called to grow together in faith. If reaching out in the comments is a little much for you, I understand. I think I feel that way sometimes. Then I would encourage you to go on our website and just ask us if, if we um, can meet with you or, or ask us whatever questions that you want. We want to, to, to come alongside and, and to walk with you if you have any questions about this. But perhaps you're there today and you just want to respond to this. You want to walk with the Lord. You want to hear his voice. And if you would, I'm just going to pray right now. And we're going to ask the Lord would do this. Repeat after me. Father, I give my life to you. I ask that you would open my eyes to see, my spiritual eyes. And I ask that you would open my spiritual ears to hear you. Lord, I pray you would take me into your kingdom realm right now. Pray this in the name of Jesus, the most powerful name that is above every name. Amen.